0: Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash
1: Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. com, And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free
0: time. Gotta get that in there. Oh, it is, uh, I, feel like a, I feel like a steamed clam in here. Uh, Lucas, you and I both recording in very, very uh, warm rooms due to the humidity of things these days.
1: You're not gonna often find someone from where we are from complaining about the heat. This is one of those rare days and people around here, they usually get mad when you get complain about the heat because it's so rare, but uh, it's hot.
0: Oh, it's hot. It's hot pods over here, and whether you're hot, whether you're cool, or whether you're downright chilly, I'm glad that you've joined us for Elwood City Limits, the Episodic Arthur podcast. Uh, Recording in my sleeveless Kevin Owens shirt, my name is Will Young, and recording in no shirt, I'm to understand, is my uh, co-host, Lucas Mancini.
1: That's right. When I podcast, I let it all out there. Uh, whether it be my emotions or my uh, corporeal form, uh, it's for the world to see, aka here.
0: You're like uh, Mar- uh, Martin Sheen at the beginning of uh, Apocalypse Now in the in the hotel room.
1: Yeah, just about, just as <laughs> sweaty for sure.
0: All right, so we've got uh, a brand new Arthur episode to talk to you about today. As we do, uh, thank you for joining us for your week. But before we get to that, now see I. One of the perks of recording from our homes is that I can use the computer right in front of me. The place we used to record, I used to have to print off the emails and everything. Uh, Lucas, I think you're using your notes uh, on the computer, yes?
1: It's true. I can't really type on the computer just because of my setup where I'm using a cutting board as a lap board. I really don't have a desk in my apartment, so I'm kind of sitting on my girlfriend's bed with a cutting board on my chest and the computer on my legs which (laughs) makes it all that much hotter Uh, so I try not to type too much because it picks up on the mic but I do have my notes in front of me
0: Excellent. Well, I've got elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com in front of me, and we did get a new uh, email this week. This one is from Mike. Oh, oh, before you
1: before you get to the first email, well, yeah. Uh, at the end of last week during the usual plugs, I mentioned this, but I also want to mention it uh, at the top of this week just in case someone doesn't listen to the plugs. Sure. I don't know why you do that. There's some good stuff in there, but... Uh, for all of you who skipped the plugs at the end, I just want to ask you to go to the Coast's website. You can find the link on the Elwood City Limits Facebook page and nominate us as a best podcast for the city we both live in now, Halifax.
0: Yes, please. Uh, It's been shared on all of our social media channels, but the one that's easiest to get to is Facebook. I also want to thank Arthur Obscurity on Tumblr. Uh, They uh, reblogged that for us, so hopefully it'll get a bit more traction. We would love to be nominated as one of the best podcasts of Halifax. I'm not moved there just yet, but I will be in a couple of weeks' time, and then we will officially be a Halifax podcast. So please, thecoast.ca and their Best of Awards nominate Elwood City Limits for Best Podcast. Thank you for reminding me of that, Lucas.
1: No problem. I just, it's like they say at the Oscars, it's an honor to be nominated.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm, we're, uh, I would, hey, you have to, you have to go for the gold or else why are you there? But I'm not going to be unhappy if we don't make it. We would be really happy if you uh, nominated us, if you feel that we deserve it. All right, let's get to our email. It's called Elwood City's Location. The Plot Thickens, and this one oh, really goes places.
1: Starting off with a banger. I am so excited already.
0: Hello, Will and Lucas. My name is Michael, and I live in Colorado, USA. I very much enjoyed the podcast through the first season and look forward to coming seasons. Thank you, Michael. Recently, I attended a conference in Massachusetts, and throughout my visit, I was excitedly searching the area for similarities to Elwood City. I noticed that certain areas, specifically Braintree, have been mentioned in the word from us kids segments which further solidifies the idea that they film arthur at least partially in and around boston well i think that was cemented for us lucas when we had uh gosh i forget what episode it is but the kid with the real thick the boston accent
1: yeah look at this guy over here what's up with this guy huh what's this guy's deal huh
0: Sounded like uh, Little Karibo doing Joey's voice on Yu-Gi-Oh! a bridge.
1: (laughs) Oh, my Uh, goodness gracious.
0: However, Elwood City seems quite a bit smaller than Boston itself. My conference took place in the town of Lowell, which very much seemed like Elwood City, in my opinion. There were a lot of uh, old brick buildings, including the school, like Elwood Elementary, Lakewood Elementary, and the Sugar Bowl would fit very well in the downtown area on Merrimack Street. I was unfortunately unable to get pictures of this downtown area, but I'm sure a quick Google search can get you there. I also noticed that at the Museum of Science in downtown Boston, the presenters always had the same catchphrase, prove it. This is, of course, the title of episode four in season four of Arthur. Uh, quick...
1: Oh, man, we're getting into some uh, uh, YouTube video uh, territory here where it's like the ancient Babylonians. And uh, in the if you look at the, the numbers, divide that by two and look what it says. I was wondering why. Six. 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 Like, it starts to sound like one of those uh, YouTube conspiracies.
0: I was wondering why he ended the email with dot 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 aliens. No, not quite. Uh, I'm assuming the phrase is only used at this museum, as I've never heard anyone use it outside of Arthur, and now the Boston Museum of Science, which also looked very similar to the episode itself. Uh, Michael attached a few um, pictures from their trip. One of these is of South Lowell, which I took from the metro because I thought it looked similar to semi-aerial views of Elwood City. He even cites specific episodes. Very good, Michael. The two others are of enthusiastic lobster souvenirs, reminiscent of lobster in the Old North Church gift shop. Thanks, and keep up the great podcasting. Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate your photos, and we're going to uh, share their photos over on uh, on our social media coming up this week.
1: Uh, something to mention about the old brick buildings in both Elwood City and Massachusetts. Isn't Now, this is me really talking out of hand because I'm no expert in American (laughs) history, but isn't Boston one of the oldest cities in all of America? And I think the other place that we suspected Elwood City limits was uh, Philadelphia Hmm. is also a really, really, really old city. Uh, So those both have more evidence now for being Elwood City. Uh, I'll also say that um, (laughs) aren't me and you a bit of experts when it comes to lobster souvenirs? That's something that's really popular around here.
0: Oh, you bet! You better believe it. We have got uh, lobster souvenirs uh, out the wazoo.
1: If someone wants to, if someone wants to learn a little bit more about where me and Wheel are from, there's a great YouTube video that's just a uh, supercut of every time Nova Scotia is mentioned in any sort of movie, and not unsurprisingly, it's pretty short. But there's like the part from Ghostbusters where he's like, oh and real Nova Scotia lobster. There's a part from The Simpsons where they're talking about Nova Scotia lobster. So that's pretty much what we're known for around here. Absol- maybe maybe Elwood City's not in the states at all. No, no, they go to the president. never mind. never mind. I got excited for nothing.
0: Yeah, no there wasn't uh, some kind of uh, cartoon representation of Jean cretienne uh, during <laughs> Arthur's uh, during Arthur's time unfortunately, although that would be awesome. Okay, thank you again, Michael, for the email, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We start off this week's episode with Arthur's TV Free Week. Uh, Now, it doesn't exactly go where you think it might to begin with. Arthur's talking about uh, what you would bring with you on a desert island, which is a great question, one of those classic icebreaker questions. Uh, And we get the full list from everybody. Before we get into them, Lucas, what would you bring on a desert island?
1: well first and foremost a really solid fiber op internet connection yep uh the wwe network (laughs) the american version of the wwe network Mm -hmm. and maybe a nintendo switch oh very modern very modern uh have you have you picked up a nintendo switch yet that is why I want my damage deposit so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I could, so I could, instead of being responsible with it, uh, I could get a Nintendo Switch. Uh, my girlfriend's a big fan of Splatoon, so we want to get one in time for Splatoon 2.
0: Uh, is your girlfriend a kid or a squid now?
1: Uh, well, one of the things that's so great about the world of Splatoon is that when you're a kid, you're always seconds away from also being a squid. So... You're never, it's never, the wait's never too long to be a squid or a kid. Mm.
0: Kid squid is uh, all all of the power in the palm of your hands. That's, uh, <laughs> that sounds like a commercial for the Switch. We're not paid. Hey, Nintendo, if you want to pay us, we gladly be paid in Nintendo Switches.
1: That's true. I'll take a free copy of Snipperclips any day of the week.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I'll even take a Wii U at this point.
1: You should have asked me before I sold by it. Anyway,
0: uh, don't worry about it. I got a friend who doesn't want theirs anyway. I'll, I'll find my way around to it.
1: You don't say. Someone doesn't want their Wii U.
0: <laughs> so we've got, uh, or I guess I should say, what I want in a desert island. Um, uh, I like yours. You started off really strong with the fiber op internet. Uh, my PlayStation Four, which has the American WWE network on it. Cough, cough. Um and my iPod, absolutely, so that I could listen to music and podcasts and whatnot. And then I think I'd be okay. I think I'd be okay. I'd be okay. <laughs> it's kind of a standard uh, man in his mid-20s answer, but I think that's probably... I mean, that's all I use when I come to my apartment anyway. It's basically like a desert island over here. But go. I think uh, the Arthur characters have a much better idea. So Arthur would bring uh, his books... Hal, of course, good choice, and a soccer ball. Uh, then he supposes what some of his other friends would want to bring, like Buster.
1: If if you only had a soccer ball into Desert Island, you'd get pretty good practicing all day. He'd be mm. like messy or something.
0: But you wouldn't be good in, like, competitive scenarios. Like, you would only be able to play against yourself. It's like doing mirror matches all the time. It's like only fighting the AI in Street Fighter. Then you go against a real opponent, and you can't account for, you know, a real human player. It's
1: it's right. uh, Doing dive kicks over and over again in Mortal Kombat 2 is not going to work against a real-life person. But against the AI, it's just fine.
0: Uh, Arthur, Arthur, I feel, kind of stereotypes Buster a little bit here because he says that Buster would want snacks, which is just piles and piles cartoon style of food, and a comedian to make him laugh.
1: And I, jokes, I, on, I, joke's on Arthur because Buster probably has the most survival, besides maybe Mr. Rapper, <laughs> Buster has the most survivable equipment because nobody else, including ourselves, remembered to ask for food or even away <laughs> off the island.
0: Well, don't forget about Muffy. He kind of makes a joke that she just wants the bare necessities, but basically, she has, you know, like a livable cabin on there. It, I mean, it doesn't <laughs> look like a cabin, it looks like a little house. Like her, it looks like her little clubhouse, and it's got like a diving board at the top, and she's got a servant there who serves her drinks. Like, she's probably doing just fine. And uh, finally, Mr. Ratburn would want to bring Arthur's whole class, which, I mean, you know, it's a funny joke. But then you take a look at the scene. It's Mr. Ratburn at the chalkboard. And then everybody else's desk is in the water. So everybody (laughs) is just getting their butt wet uh, just uh, watching Mr. Ratburn do word problems. And that's that's not fun.
1: No, I, I wouldn't say so. I also don't think it's very... I don't think it's a environment that is conducive to learning per se. If I was sitting waist deep in the water while someone was trying to teach me word problems, uh, I, I don't think I'd be able to keep focus so well. Maybe no, and... maybe it's a brand new new age technique though, water learning. I've heard no, I... of everything. Hot yoga, goat <laughs> yoga, but I've never heard of water learning before.
0: Well it's and then you got and then you have to like pay attention to anything in wet jeans and that's just oh, that's that is the worst, no matter what age you <laughs> and uh then finally arthur arthur supposes the one thing that everybody would want the universal want of kids in the 90s tv now we've touched
1: on this before with arthur mm. uh in past episodes whenever they ask kids a question similar to what you would want on a desert island in a word from us kids like for instance the episode where it was what would you take camping Almost every single kid, without a doubt, said a portable television. This is something where Arthur's very of its time, where kids were really, really, really obsessed with TV in that day and age. Uh, and it's something that you don't really see the same further f- fervor for these days. Like, especially speaking for myself, I know I could definitely go without TV. I'd be fine with just, like, wrestling and, I guess, Big Brother this season maybe Game of Thrones, but besides that, I don't really watch television. What about yourself?
0: No, almost not at all. And really, the TV is kind of a means to an end because I'm using like the PlayStation 4. I'm using Netflix. I'm using the WWE Network. And then that's kind of it. Like, I don't watch any TV programs. Like when I go to my parents, to my mother's house. uh, They're
1: like, oh, we got to watch Medium. I can't. Is Medium (laughs) even still on? I don't know. That's like my go to show (laughs) that parents like, oh, I got to watch Ghost Whisperer.
0: If Medium is still on, I guarantee my mother is watching it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what, every time I go to my mom's house, uh, she uh, like I, there's nothing on TV that I want to watch. It's like edited versions of movies that I own or don't want to watch. And so I end up watching uh, the Much Music video flow. So just a bunch of music videos back, uh, back to back.
1: Hey, you could do worse than that. Now, I have a question about your, the TV at your mom's house, okay? Two questions. Yeah. One. They have an HDTV, right? I actually have three questions. They have an HDTV, (laughs) correct? No. No. Okay, never mind. That answers my other two questions, which is, (laughs) when adults have an HDTV, one, did they turn off the motion smoothing? And then two, do they still just watch all the SD channels? Because they don't know that if you just add a number in front of the SG channels, it makes them HD. So you go over to someone's house and they're watching football games in a wrong aspect ratio. Even though they have all the HD channels. But they're just like, oh, you know, channel 12. It's always been channel 12. Listen, buddy. Channel 612. You get it in HD.
0: Uh, No, she doesn't have HD. She still has, like, a a, a big, a big old black TV that she just will not get replaced, no matter how much I tell her. Like, it's impossible to watch things from a distance on that TV. And for her as well. Her eyesight's worse
1: than mine. I'll tell you what, though. That TV would be great for GoldenEye on the N64.
0: Yeah, probably the only thing you could play GoldenEye on. Or, like, uh, Guitar Hero, which I have played that on.
1: That's true. That's true. You could actually have, like, a solid Parappa the Rappa score because there'd be no lag.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, so TV is the universal one, which, like you said, Lucas, kind of kind of dates this episode a little bit, and we'll get into that as we go along here. So, of course, this whole episode is around the idea that at school they are doing a TV-free week with the students. Uh, Mr. Haney kind of awkwardly explains this in an assembly uh, he, it's it kind of comes down to that there's a lack of conversation among families and he, it, the blame is kind of placed on TV, which is kind of interesting and I imagine for our younger listeners or younger people who are watching this, it, it's it's really proof that this kind of uh, this kind of thinking doesn't go away. It just adapts to a new generation. Like these days, over and over again, people our age and younger are you know constantly. Waylaid with people being like, "Oh, they're always on their smartphones. They're always, they're always looking down on their smartphones wherever they're walking. They don't even oh, talk it, to each other." And like, uh, what do you think we're doing on our smartphones, dude? What do you think we're doing uh, on our smartphones?
1: They're always playing with their fidget spinners, and and they won't have a good old conversation.
0: <laughs> I'm not playing with my fidget spinner, although it's right behind me. I could go get it if I wanted to. Oh jeez! Uh, but it's proof that like, there's I think there's an XKCD comic out there that it's like you know going back into like the 1900s and before it's just like oh, if it's if it's not is the one
1: with everyone on the bus where they're they're everybody on the bus with the newspaper and then like it shows everybody on the bus with the cell phones that might not be an xkcd comic but i've seen that comparison made before where it's like yeah, yeah. nobody ever talked to each other on the bus and they're not going to start anytime soon
0: it's it's pretty much that thing it's like if it wasn't smartphones it was tv if it wasn't tv it was newspapers if it wasn't newspapers it was books like it's always gonna be something that people are critical mm. that just like uh, just like nobody talks to each other anymore and just like i got news for you nobody talked to begin with uh so but yeah that's just kind of the thing that adults will latch on to uh, so this okay so miss tingly says that kids can sign up in their classrooms And this brought up to me a big question as we and in fact, I'll go into a bit of the next scene as well. So, you know, uh, Arthur, Buster, Francine sign up and they get like a gold badge if they do TV free week. Then Arthur and Buster outside are talking to Binky, who asks them if they're going to watch a little bionic bunny tonight. And this is when it dawns on Buster. He finally realizes that he signed up for TV free week, so he can't. And it seems that he did so without fully realizing the consequences.
1: The the whole conceit of the episode is sort of like a PG version of uh, the contest episode of Seinfeld. As <laughs> very opposed PG. to the, Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to the rated X uh, contest in that episode. But it's very similar. And the way the characters deal with it and how some characters crack earlier than others uh, is very similar to the way that Seinfeld episode goes. Uh,
0: and Binky's himself says, you know, Arthur says, did you sign up for a Binky? And he said, no way. That kind of thing is for geeks, which,
1: <laughs> which, Hey,
0: I, I agree, Binky. It is for geeks,
1: but it, Binky, it... Binky's been listening to a lot of Brian Alvarez lately. <laughs> Buster is the geek of the week. <laughs> That's right. Buster's the geek of the week. We... <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, but the thing is my, okay, so my question is, is this mandatory or was this voluntary? Because oh,
1: if, did your school never do this? Cause my school actually did do this.
0: I think it. they may have, but I honestly don't remember. I know that after I saw this episode, I was kind of inspired to do it myself. Although I don't know if I followed through.
1: No, I think we got like ribbons at my school. They weren't custom made. They were like obvious dollar store ribbons. Okay. Uh, but I also think it was like, it obvi- It definitely wasn't voluntary. It, uh, mandatory, I mean. You, you had to sign up and then it was like, it was the honor system. Mm-hmm. And then you would uh, get your ribbon at the end of the week. So I, I definitely think that uh, this was like a real thing.
0: Right. So, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of the stakes are taken out of it when it's, like, voluntary, which it, which apparently it is because Binky didn't sign up for it unless he, like, pretended to. He pretended to sign the contract and then attacked Stone Cold and then he signed the contract. Uh, but I guess – I'm gu- I'm guessing it was just voluntary like, like it was at your school. Um, so Arthur is facing a week without TV as well as uh, with his family as well. His family decides that they'll do it as well, Mom, Dad, and D.W., and I liked at the dinner table, they're talking about this, and just like, it'll, dad's like, it'll force us to be creative. You know, it'll kind of uh, force us to spend time with each other in ways that isn't around the TV. And DW or Arthur says, What are we doing tonight? And they just like, Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I completely understand. Like, at, on one point, you want to congratulate your kids for doing this thing, but also you're just like, Oh, I have to entertain them now, don't I? <laughs> uh oh. And then D.W. steps up uh, to entertain the family with her not-so-great card tricks.
1: I wonder if D.W. is going to get, like, way into improv when she's older. Like, she's going to be way into, like, yo, come to my improv show. It's going to be a great time. I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. D.W. – what's that movie called? Uh, That Mike Birbiglia movie? Uh, Don't don't Think think Twice? Don't
0: Think Twice. Yeah. Or – I just I, think I that's just what it's called. I just watched it like a month or two ago and I I it's something along the lines of like don't think or don't think twice or Well, hey, I can just uh punch it into Google here. Uh sorry, I know this is riveting, but this is gonna drive me nuts. It's don't think twice. Okay. 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 Whew. Problem solved. Uh <laughs> Dad has to kind of take the bullet and be like, Is this your card? And he's like, Yeah and then mom elbows him, and he's just like, Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> uh and then DW and Arthur start fighting because he asks she asks him to think of a number between one and ten. He picks two and a half. And then mom I love mom gets so frustrated and then she uses what I'm guessing is the shorthand for everybody shut up, which is to turn on the TV. She's just like, Look, let's just do something relaxing that we all enjoy. And I'm like, Yeah, you could probably catch some like deep space nine or something.
1: Or Fraser reruns.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's when Fraser was <laughs> no freight that's pr- that's probably Frasier original run
1: that's right everybody was like sitting around waiting for that new episode of Frasier. oh
0: man love me so what Fra- would
1: have been the tv shows at the time like let's see this is what 96
0: 97
1: 97 everybody's crowding around to watch some wwe raw
0: yeah i don't know that doesn't seem appropriate it doesn't seem appropriate for a four and seven year old
1: that's true. I've
0: got so I've got TV show 1997 into Google here. Uh, you've got the early years of uh, King of the Hill, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Recess started in 1997.
1: What? That's crazy. Recess is way older than I thought it was.
0: Absolutely. Uh, maybe there were maybe they're going to watch some Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation.
1: Listen, there were some pretty good. No wonder kids were so obsessed with TV uh, in 1997. There were some pretty good options.
0: Yeah, no, there's a lot of good ones here. No, I got it. They're going to be watching Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show.
1: Oh, jeez. We can't be added to the list of podcasts that have talked about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show lately. I feel like like the uh, McElroy family of podcasts have been constantly bringing up Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show.
0: Man, must be on like a wavelength or something. Oh, no, okay, I got it. Last one. Uh, They're definitely watching the last season of Roseanne.
1: <laughs> oh geez, the uh, the hyper dark. Last season of Roseanne. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so who knows what they're going to be watching? They almost watch TV. This is where we find out that Arthur's mom's name is Jane. So it's Jane and Dave Reed. We kind of go from from person to person here, just their experience. First night without TV, like uh, Francine and Oliver trying to listen to a sports game on radio, but they can't even figure out what sport it is. I thought that was kind of funny.
1: Yeah, Francine says it's I think it's basketball, maybe soccer, hockey, because all you can really make out through the static is someone saying a vaguely European name and someone scoring, which could be (laughs) any of those three sports.
0: Absolutely. It reminds me of my dad trying to catch the AM signal on a clear night from New York so he could listen to Rangers games. (laughs) Uh, We go to the brain who is using his telescope accidentally spies on the eel of fortune show.
1: Yeah, I want, there's there's two animal show parodies in this episode. The Eel of Fortune and uh oh, what's the chicken one?
0: All my chickens.
1: All my chickens.
0: And finally, uh Mr. Ratburn is all revved up to watch I loved I loved this. And speaking of sign of the times here, uh He's got all 10 episodes of Masterpiece Theaters, The Life and Times of Dewey Decimal. Now, he's not watching on no Netflix. He doesn't even have a DVD box set. He has a literal box of 10 VHS tapes.
1: Oh, man. Mr. rapper probably loves, like, Ken Burns documentaries. He can't wait to watch Baseball Part 14. Well, and,
0: of course, a subtle plug for PBS because it's the Masterpiece Theater Edition. That's
1: true. It's not even like a play-on-words joke animal version of the Master. It's not the Master Geese Theater. It's just oh, the Masterpiece that's Theater. that's good. That's Ooh, right. I that. Like they left that, that on, the, on the, the cutting room floor. Oh,
0: those fools. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Uh, no, not Master Geese Theater. To their detriment. So everybody's kind of struggling a little bit. The next day at school, they're talking about how tough it was to go without TV. Like DW sang uh, songs for an hour or something. Buster comes to the table. He's got a huge, huge plate of food. So he's already compensating for TV by adding more food, which I'm definitely familiar with in my own life. Uh, And he seems to be staying cool he's like oh no it went great I didn't even miss TV and then Binky comes up and just like the good comic foil he is Buster immediately crumbles He just like please tell me what happened
1: to Bionic Bunny I haven't slept all night please 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 and uh, it- one, one, one thing before that is Muffy's explaining how her experience was also like not great and she says it's harder for me because I have 170 channels which I thought was quaint because like everybody has a hundred everybody has like eight hundred channels now, if they have cable at all.
0: Yeah, I think 170 channels come standard and I don't even have a cable package at this point. <laughs> so, and I just like Binky's response to Buster of like what happened on Bionic Bunny. Um, lots of stuff.
1: Buster goes, You hear that? Lots of stuff happened and we missed it.
0: Yeah, he's going
1: crazy. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, yeah, we get the uh, the all my chickens thing here as mom, excuse me, Jane is uh, grocery shopping and she sees it on like the, that huge wall of TVs that you'd see in like a, a Walmart or something. My parents
1: uh, used to leave me uh, when we went to Costco and I was a little kid. I don't know if I've told – I've told this story in real life a bunch of times, but I'm not sure if I've told it on the podcast, how if uh, we were in Costco, my parents would leave me to watch the TVs and then just go do their shopping. I might have told that in the episode where uh, DW gets lost in the store now that I think about it.
0: <laughs> Good idea by them, but think- thankfully you never wandered off to any of those tantalizing sample tables.
1: Or thankfully I wasn't stolen.
0: Yeah. My God. (laughs) The the 90s were a different time, kids. Dad's having a little bit of a hang up, too, because he's uh, he's serving finger food in a night costume and he want to make wants to see the weather to make sure he doesn't rust. Again, another sign of the times. If this were today, he could just look it up online, but he has to actually go to the TV or, God forbid, listen to the radio to hear the weather report. So, yeah, everybody's having trouble. And then they eventually just put the TV in a drawer and unplug when, it. Uh,
1: when Arthur's dad turns on the TV to check the weather, DW goes, My own father! <laughs> she's really the one who's enforcing this rule. She seems to be the most excited about TV-free week more than anybody else, which is kind of funny because she seems to watch the most TV besides Arthur. She's always watching Mary Moo Cow or Crazy Bus the Movie.
0: Uh, <laughs> another great scene with Buster here at, uh, the sugar bowl where Buster is literally counting out the minutes and seconds left in TV free week. At this point, they have four and a half days left. So they're almost at the halfway point, uh, uh, personal, a personal favorite, uh, thing of mine here. It's a, it's a line that doesn't get used everywhere, but when, when it happens, it's good. Uh, Buster goes two more milkshakes, please. Are you sure you don't want anything?
1: <laughs>
0: I just take some balls for myself.
1: Well, it's also funny because Arthur's like it's the milkshakes are like a stand-in for alcohol because Arthur's like, <laughs> haven't you had enough? And Buster goes, you're gonna take milkshakes away from me too? He's drowning out his sorrows in milkshakes.
0: He's just adding more food to block out the fact that he doesn't have TV. It's 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 classic addict behavior.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, B- Buster is breaking down at this point. Arthur says just to call him whenever he feels whenever he feels weak uh at at one point arthur and dw are walking pal in the street and they get uh, approached by people doing a streeter for a news report they are asking uh, people on the street how they're doing with tv free week and i just gotta wonder what's the point of doing a report on tv free week during tv free week
1: i guess it's because adults mostly watch the news and they probably don't participate unless they're really go-getters like arthur's parents
0: I guess, but like, wouldn't you ra- wouldn't you like the kids to see that too? Uh, I I sure, would ju-
1: but they can't just like stop all news on TV Free Week. They gotta no. keep. They gotta put something on there.
0: No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, do the report on TV Free Week after it's done, and ask the kids how tough it was
1: uh. when it's all
0: said and done. You know what I'm saying? Like the Monday after, Arthur tries to get them to watch it on the news that night, just so just you know, because how many times you get to see yourself on TV? That's always kind of a l- little bit of a thrill, especially when you're a kid. Uh, Will, have you
1: ever been on TV?
0: Uh, Yes, I have. Uh, So, okay, this is going back a long time. Back in the early 2000s, uh, the theater chain that used to be Empire Theaters, it's now Cineplex here in uh, Eastern Canada, they had a booth that you could, like, I think, I don't know if you had to pay for it or not, but it was like you could record a 30-second movie review, and they would take the video that they would get from there and they would use it on CTV, on our local news affiliate. And I did a review for uh, Clockstoppers, the movie Clockstoppers.
1: I did a review for the movie, uh, the VeggieTales movie, Jonah yeah. and the Whale, Oh yeah. and I remember I said I hated the ending, which is really funny looking back, because the reason it ends that way is because it's a biblical story, <laughs> and so I was expecting, because I, I don't think I even realized VeggieTales was religious at the time, right. so I was just like, I like seeing talking vegetables, and so when it ends with like a town getting destroyed and everybody not looking back, I'm like, what? What kind of ending is this?
0: <laughs> uh, I remember I was so excited because uh, one of the anchors called me a young Roger Ebert because I kept like doing the the two fa- two f- the thumb and the finger on the chin thing.
1: Ah, uh, I see.
0: So I thought that uh, that got me really jazzed. Uh, I might have been on TV. Uh, I don't know once or twice after uh, after or before that. I don't remember. That's just the one that comes most readily to mind. And, of course, you've been on TV. You've been on uh, Just for Laughs, which I found that video last week.
1: Oh, no. I liked Listen, it. Just my... don't link it to the audience. If you're interested in finding it, it's very googleable, but we're not going to post it for you.
0: No, I had I had to do a little bit of digging, so you're going to have to. No, don't worry. I wasn't going to post that without your permission, but for what it's worth, my girlfriend and I really enjoyed it. We thought you were quite funny.
1: I appreciate that.
0: And it was and it was definitely you it was not any other little kid out there it was absolutely young Lucas Mancini anyway Arthur goes out of the room and then when he comes back in they've unplugged the TV and they're putting it back and they decide they're not gonna watch it as DW says it would be hippo criminal I remember when I was a kid I didn't know what mo- what word she was mangling there so I'm like what what does hippo criminal mean <laughs> Uh, Buster is uh, still breaking down at this point. You know, there's a phone conversation between him and Arthur where the first episode of Bionic Bunny is on TV that night. And it's like, Buster has, is jonesing for it. He's got to watch it. Uh, but Arthur says he knows it by heart. So, you know, he's got it memorized. He doesn't need to watch it. Just think of it in his head. And then the, the next day at school, Buster uh, much like in the movie, Reign of Fire is reenacting the first episode of Bionic Bunny for everybody at the cafeteria.
1: I forgot about that part in *Rain of Fire.
0: That's arguably the best part of the movie.
1: Oh, are you sure? What about the part where, oh gosh, what's his face? Jumps into the dragon's mouth. Uh. It's either Christian uh, Bale or
0: Matthew McConaughey. It was what?
1: Matthew McConaughey! He jumps into the dragon's mouth and then just gets gulped. That movie Gosh. was that
0: movie wasn't that bad. It was just kind of boring.
1: It's just we, it's just it's not a movie that get made today. I don't think. Like no. it's just so it's not based on anything. It's just like oh, there's dragons in, the, in modern day England.
0: No, uh, definitely not.
1: The PS2 game was really bad.
0: Oh, I bet I bet you got to play you got to play that P- Panzer Dragoon on the Xbox. There you go on the original Xbox. This reminded me of myself as a kid because I would, I, okay. So I have a weird brain. As I've mentioned before, I've got many different, a cocktail of different diagnoses up, up here. But um, one of them is that I um, obsessively memorize things. I have OCD. And uh, when I was a kid, this definitely manifested itself in the form of like, I would memorize things that I'd seen a hundred times before so like I knew every Arthur episode off by heart which like it still happens to this day like I know the tone of voice that is going to be in the next line Uh, I know what kind of what's going to happen and I do that for all kinds of things I do that for like the Peter Rabbit books I would read and the tapes I would listen to so it just reminded me of like I was able to do that I was able to like reenact stuff for people. And if we ever, if we ever get to ourselves into a fallout future, and if we ever, uh, you know, the, the bombs drop and civilization is over, I'm definitely going to be the one to keep alive movies, TV, and all that sort of stuff just on my own.
1: You're gonna be the bard. You'll you'll be telling people go to town to town telling stories. See, I did that too, but only with flash cartoons. Nice. So like I would I would recount the here's here's a poll. I would recount Legendary Frog like oh, cartoon Legendary Frog to, a, a, and Homestar Runner uh, to people <laughs> in the playground. So that's funny.
0: Legendary Frog, the Super Flash Bros.
1: Oh my gosh! Uh, decline of video gaming.
0: The, the decline of video gaming. <laughs> Probably nobody, anybody who didn't grow over this is probably you know listening to us like we're crazy. But I was oh, all... and,
1: and and also if you go back and watch that stuff now, it is aged like ch- uh like milk. It is <laughs> yeah. it, it it is not so great. And I remember at the time thinking it was the best thing ever.
0: Oh, it was so funny, but it was it was f- totally funny for like a junior high, late elementary mindset. Like mm. I ba- I ba- I basically knew what the matrix was. I basically knew what video games were. Like I got it just enough and it and it did it for me. And it's so- true.
1: How would I have known what the matrix was without Flash cartoons? That's true. Like that's where I got most of my matrix information.
0: <laughs> oh man, what a time of my life. And like and that was I didn't even really go on new grounds all that much or anything. I was really just subsisting on Legendary Frog and anyway I could I don't want to go down this 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 flash hole but my goodness like we could I bet we could talk for a long time about this kind of stuff uh, okay so then but uh, so everybody kind of applauds buster for uh, doing his performance and Binky comes up and says can he do Bionic Bunny versus techno turtle part 5 to which Arthur gasps and says the movie so I guess there is a Bionic Bunny versus Techno Turtle series, and it ends in a movie, or continues part five in a movie.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where this also dates this episode, like the idea of looking forward to a movie being uh, re-aired on television is such an (laughs) antiquated concept, like... I, can, I guess I could see it. Like, I remember on CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, for all you Americans out there, mm. where they would do, like, a Friday night Disney movie or whatever. I think that was CBC. I would look forward to it as a kid. Or there's a lot of, like, reading the TV guide in this episode, which is also pretty crazy. Uh, a lot of these things are of their time.
0: My family subscribed to the TV guide uh, at... at uh... At a wrestling event last year, I bought an old issue of TV Guide uh, because... I was
1: going to say, some of those are worth money these
0: yeah, days. Because Sable was on the cover. So I uh, took a spin through all the TV Guide listings. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, exactly. Uh, I, you may you might be thinking... Now, I, I, I'm not sure if CBC did air Disney movies. You might be right about that. But ABC had the wonderful world of Disney for our American oh, listeners.
1: Maybe it was that. Maybe it was that. Okay.
0: And and, and that, that was exciting because that could be the only way... Other than VHS, where you could watch a Disney movie that you've never seen before. Or you'd have to wait to rent it at your local Blockbuster or uh, affiliate. Uh, At this point, uh, you know, it's getting really difficult for Arthur and Buster, especially Buster. Because at this point, Buster starts hallucinating. He's going around his house just chanting to himself, I will not watch TV, I will not watch TV. And everything he sees is turning into a TV like the mirror his bed his clock radio like he's breaking down
1: it's like the shining where it's like all work and no play make jack a dull boy or more accurately the simpsons parody of the shining the shitting where uh homer says uh what is it no beer and tv make homer go crazy
0: yeah don't mind if i do uh (laughs) For me, it's almost a, almost a little bit of a, almost like video drone where everything's turning into a TV. I'm just expecting Buster to reach into his chest and pull out a gun or something.
1: Oh, you're saying Buster is the new flesh?
0: Death, <laughs> death to, to TV free week. Long live the new Buster. But Arthur and Buster, both of them, they're they're very tempted, uh, and they're but they're honest kids. They're not breaking down. And eventually. Um, you know, Arthur starts seeing things himself, like his dad conveniently is making rabbits and turtles out of gelatin, and he sees Bionic Bunny and Techno Turtle in them. Uh, so he decides to go for a bike ride. Buster goes for a walk, and then they both kind of uh, subconsciously end up at Binky's place. And that's where they kind of decide, like, it's like we both know why we're here, to see the movie, so they're going to break down together, and they feel less alone about it. But then Arthur decides to pause. He's and he says, we're so close. Let's not ruin it now. So he convinces Buster to instead go to the park and play some Frisbee. Like I said, they're both, they both want to do this very honestly. Like there's nothing really stopping them from not telling their parents that they're doing TV free week and just saying that they did.
1: Or even telling their parents and just saying, yeah, I don't want to do that.
0: Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Uh so finally, we end off on them getting their gold badges. Uh, speaking of dating this episode, when's the last time you heard somebody use the phrase wicked?
1: <laughs> well, uh, that, that's also a very Massachusetts area thing. You can I, I know from my <laughs> travels, you can buy many a sweater at a gas station that says wicked Pissa. Uh <laughs> So uh, that might still be around in some regional areas.
0: Anyway, it just brought me back to, back to when that was the word. It was just like, oh, this is
1: wicked. Wicked.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, that too. Uh, and Buster kind of cockily says, like, I could do it for another whole week. I really could. And then the ending shot of the episode is Buster at the TV watching Bionic Bunny, almost not blinking, and in his Bionic Bunny hat. And just, like, back to back to his old ways. There's uh, no uh, word from us kids this week, as far as I could find, so we move to our second story, which is Night Fright. Uh, now, it starts off with Arthur, although it is not an Arthur episode. And I thought this cold open was kind of kind of strange. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of fits in with the theme, but... Uh, so, it's a dark and stormy night. Arthur's trying to sleep. Uh, Pal is snoring on his bed, and his snores are very, very human. Like, they don't really sound like what I'm to understand dog snoring sounds like
1: oh i thought it was arthur snoring at first
0: no it's definitely pal
1: oh okay
0: because because pal's uh snores are uh disturbing the monsters under arthur's bed and in his closet and so the monsters kind of have a back and forth with each other just kind of yelling
1: and they remind me of the goblins from the start of labyrinth when they're like creeping around uh whatever that actress's name is house Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. There we go.
0: The voice of Spider-Man's suit in Spider-Man Homecoming.
1: Ooh, I'm glad. I'm glad to see Jennifer Connelly get work. That's, that's someone where I'm always happy to see them.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't think she's hurting or anything. Uh, Yeah, there, I, I mean, there really isn't that much to say. It's just kind of, you know, Arthur saying ever, ever can't sleep because of the monsters under your bed and in, and in your closet. And they just kind of they just kind of snipe at each other and start throwing things and. I don't know, it's not really super related to the episode, so... I'd...
1: I like the vocal performances from the monsters. I don't know, I always kind of get a kick out of stuff like this. I'm such a big Gremlins fan, as yes, I've talked about many a time. And so this does have a little bit of a Gremlins vibe of these little creatures in an everyday setting uh, just making a nuisance of things. So I enjoyed it for that, but you're right, it doesn't add much to the context of the episode. No,
0: and I mean, they kind of argued like they're a married couple. It wasn't like anything really all that compelling uh we start off the episode with uh well an arthur meme alert that i've definitely seen before uh binky on the hill of burgers the hills are alive with the smell of burgers and i've definitely seen that one before
1: the hills have burgers
0: oh jeez. yeah well the hills have actual eyes here because binky picks up a uh, burger to eat it, a cheeseburger and it screams and it's like you know it's like mama he's gonna bite me and then all of this, and then all of a sudden, a giant cheeseburger with like horn-rimmed glasses comes over the horizon and protecting her child, like "Put down my boy, your big bully. And That's then right. all She's of a sudden, like
1: this southern drawl.
0: Yeah, and all of a sudden, it turns out that all of the cheeseburgers are alive, and Binky was going to eat a whole hill of like living cheeseburgers. It's when I was a kid, I think I remember this kind of like creeping me out.
1: No this is this nightmare uh, makes me want to go vegan almost as much as Okja did.
0: Oh right you saw you saw that and I remember you, I remember you saying that I'll have to keep that on the queue. Uh okay. is it is it is it Okja? I thought maybe it was Okia.
1: No, nope, Okja. Oh, uh, Okja. but not for the faint of heart if you're an animal lover it's a tough tough watch. Hmm. So uh, be warned, but it is a very good movie. And it also will make you, for a split second, be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat animals anymore.
0: Hmm. Uh, this did this did make me realize, you know, there are some foods in cartoons that look super appetizing. I don't think burgers are one of them. I don't remember, like, cartoon burgers looking particularly appetizing. Not like a cartoon steak or a, or like a Donkey Kong banana.
1: Uh, I, I like the burgers in SpongeBob. The Krabby Patties—they always ooh. look really good.
0: Yeah, okay, uh, that's a that's a that's an exception. Krabby Patties have always looked good. I can't, wa- I can't watch the I can't watch the episode where Squidward eats his first Krabby Patty without immediately going to McDonald's afterwards.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, so Binky is at this point running away from the giant cheeseburger, and he runs into some kind of city downtown and it, and it seems he's being chased by like all manner of condiment and food like we get some weird stuff in here like for like all of a sudden a ketchup and a, a giant ketchup and mustard bottle kind of dive in almost like airplanes and they come in and they're like screaming at him they're like Arr! and then they and then Binky's up against a wall and they splatter him with mustard and ketchup and he keeps running it was so strange and then he gets uh, surrounded by like a bunch of uh large french fries as the cheeseburger closes in and and even stranger this i mean this all kind of makes sense in like a food thing like there's a shot of the cheese the giant cheeseburger closing in on Binky and there's like a shot of a billboard with a pair of lips on it and it's just like laughing like ha, ha,
1: ha, ha. There's actually, like, a bunch of billboards if you look uh, throughout the scene, and they all have teeth or, like, mouths on them.
0: Yeah, no, it's so strange. I, I also put down here the ketchup and mustard when they yell. It definitely sounds like one of these stock Arthur yells just kind of pitched down a little bit.
1: So Biggie's trying to escape these french fries, and he runs away from them, and he eventually runs off the world, which is flat like it's... Uh, uh the world as described by Kyrie Irving. <laughs> and so he runs off the world and this whole thing reminded me of Toe Jam and Earl on the Genesis. Okay. Uh just because like the giant French fries and stuff seem like they'd be Toe Jam and Earl uh enemies. la the guy in the banana costume or the giant hamster in the hamster ball. And the way the world looks in Biggie's Nightmare, this like flat world with the uh stalagmites coming out the bottom. Uh, it looks just like how the world looks in ToeJam & Earl, because you can fall off and then you fall down a level.
0: I'll have to take your word for that. I've never played ToeJam & Earl.
1: Also, the way Biggie flaps his arms is a lot is very similar to if you get the wings uh, out of one of the present boxes. You should play ToeJam & Earl. It's a little dated, but uh, it's super ahead of its time. It's one of the first console roguelikes. Uh yeah,
0: Binky tries to flap his arms and for a while, for a little bit he succeeds, but then it kind of stops flapping his arms and falls into space, presumably forever. And of, of course, this is a dream. Uh Binky's parents come to wake him up and like he kind of he wakes up screaming essentially, and then his parents realize he didn't plug in his nightlight. And it's here we discover that Binky needs a nightlight in order to uh, sleep through the night without nightmares.
1: I'll be honest with you, I slept with the lights on until I was like 14 or something. Like I was always afraid of the dark as a kid, so this is something I can sympathize with. I've never had a nightlight though. I don't think. I just left them on. I just I just racked up my parents' power bill.
0: I had a couple of nightlights. Uh, I had you know when I was younger, I had like a Tom's the Tank Engine one. I had a Jemima Puddle Duck one. I definitely used a nightlight for you know the single digit e- my single digit years. I don't know if I was Binky's age uh, and having one, but I honestly don't remember. Uh, So at school the next day, the kids are talking about the new Scare Your Pants Off video. Uh, And I guess we are now officially moving into uh, Scare Your Pants Off is Goosebumps in both Book and show terms. So, you know, we're now kind of emulating the Goosebumps TV show, which was very popular in the mid to late 90s. And the name of the video is called The Lunchbox of Notre Dame, which they keep kind of – they never really describe what it's about. They just keep uh, uh, describing uh, elements of the story, and we're kind of not supposed to know exactly what it's about.
1: I wonder if the uh, Scare Your Pants Off – show was also filmed in Canada for tax purposes.
0: (laughs) Wouldn't put it past them. I must also say I really appreciate them using uh, the the Notre Dame pronunciation, a.k.a. the right way to pronounce that, because (laughs) it just reminds me of watching – I love – uh, James Rolfe's uh, Cinemassacre and his uh, his horror movie series he does he used to do every October uh, Monster Madness, but he would get to he did a couple of movies that were based on the Hunchback of Notre Dame, except he's got that very thick regional accent, so it'd be like it's like then, then we see the movie the the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Hunchback of yeah. Notre Dame, and I'm like just kind of would cringe every time he do it. So appreciations on the French pronunciation, everybody. That day, uh, Mr. Ratburn kind of hears them talking about this and then starts talking about stuff that they're afraid of. Uh, So we get a couple of the kids' innermost fears, uh, including, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Muffy's afraid of the roller coaster at Wonderworld. Arthur's afraid of ventriloquist dummies, which I completely understand.
1: Yeah, it's totally rational.
0: Yeah. Uh, Buster's afraid of a spoon stuck in pudding, like in the lunchbox of Notre Dame, which everybody is freaked out by once he reveals what it's from. And then Binky obviously wants to hide the fact that he's afraid of the dark and he his cover up is he's afraid he will get so strong that the that the school will collapse when he shuts the door. And there's a little like uh imagination sequence to illustrate that like he slams the front door and the school just completely collapses. Yeah, so but of course he's covering up the fact that he's afraid of the dark. Uh, then we cut to the end of the school day and it's begun to rain everybody in their rain gear and waiting for rides home. And, uh, this is where Binky kind of starts to, starts to menace Arthur a little bit, not like overtly, but he's definitely like, you know, teasing him and, uh, trying to make him seem like his family's not coming for him. You know, just like maybe your parents forgot about you. And, and Arthur says they're coming from his aunt Lucy's, which is pretty far. Binky's speaking uh, of, speaking
1: of fears, uh, This is like one of those childhood things that I don't have to deal with anymore that I'm so happy I don't like waiting for your parents to pick you up and then being super late and everybody else has already gotten picked up is one of those like awful childhood feelings that uh, I could only return to through media like this. And I was like, oh man, waiting in the rain and your parents still aren't coming. That sucks.
0: I definitely waited a long time once or twice uh, for my family to get me because I would usually walk home with my sister, but she forgot to uh, to get me once. So she got all the way home, and I was waiting at school. And they had to come and pick me up. And my sister was like in tears uh, that she forgot about me. But I was totally fine because I got to play her Game Boy as uh, reparations. So she was at the foot. She was at like the foot of my bed, just like crying. Like I'm so sorry, I forgot about you. And I'm just playing Donkey Kong. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I got to play with her Game Boy. It's fine. <laughs> so it all it all turned out okay, and but of course Binky ends up paying for it because his mom his his parents come to pick him up, and Binky's mom says that uh, Arthur's family ran into car trouble, so they are so Arthur is going to stay with them for the night and share Binky's room, and we get the ominous lightning flash like his secret will be revealed that night. Arthur gets uh, some of Binky's old pajamas, which hilariously don't fit him like they're sagging down to the floor. It's almost it's almost like a look almost.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's like Rick Owens season 17 uh uh fall FW. Uh it's 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 that oversized look that's coming back in a big way.
0: I will say it's 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 funny to think about the fact that Arthur's dad and Binky are the same voice actor. So I just imagine uh it may have been a bit of a challenge for Arthur's voice actor to pretend that the person he was interacting with was two different people.
1: Like, in what way? Because they don't have the lines read back to them. It's just Arthur just reads it in a vacuum, right?
0: Yeah, but, I'm, but if they're doing, like, a table read or something.
1: Oh, I wonder if they ever did that. I... I... I'm to believe that, like, usually kid shows like this, they probably don't do a lot of table reads. They just hmm. kind of—everybody comes into the studio when they can have their time booked. It'd be interesting, though. I know, like, the Spongebob cast does stuff where they, uh, they like, read unaired episodes or something as a live performance. That'd be fun to see with Arthur.
0: So Binky is trying his best to hide the nightlight from Arthur. He says that it's his, uh, it's his nightlight, and he kind of, like— it's him splayed over the bed and like reading a book off of the floor, just to cover up the fact that it's his night light. And it's of course, it's a very obvious night light, I should say. Alright, okay, I don't know what that means, but it's it's one of those plug in ones. It almost looks like a glade plug in, except the light is the face of a clown. It looks like um it looks like Pickles the clown.
1: Hmm. Almost exactly. Like they just redrew pickles. Maybe Pickles has some branded merch a la Mr. Haney.
0: Could be. Uh, so Binky, uh, sleeps with the light off so that Arthur doesn't have to know, but then that immediately leads to a nightmare, which starts off again, pretty creepy. Like it's Binky suddenly opening his eyes. His skin is like stark white and it's these weird flashing effects as he gets sucked into his nightlight. It was actually, it's actually a little scary, especially if you were a younger kid. And then the whole nightmare is Binky stuck in the nightlight as Arthur is showing Binky's entire class. It's like everybody ready to see Binky's widow night white. And they all laugh at him.
1: We get a lot of we get a lot of like evil Arthur in this episode, which <laughs> yeah, is something do. I really
0: appreciate about it. We haven't even gotten to the best evil Arthur, that's coming up. Uh so Binky again, Uka wakes up screaming, and his mom puts his nightlight back in, and that's where he's forced to admit to a very sleepy Arthur that uh, that he sleeps with a nightlight. Um, the next day, at school. Binky is terrified that people that Arthur will tell people, and we we get the voiceover again of evil Arthur of like Binky sleeps with a nightlight, and everybody <laughs> laughing at him. It's great, uh, and again, but again, the best is yet to come. Uh, Binky actually beats Arthur to school. And uh, hides behind the I bush I thought you were going to
1: say Binky beats Arthur And I was going to say I must have walked away For that part of the episode No he
0: no, he beats Arthur to school Hides behind a shrub and then accosts him And just like you better not have told anybody And Arthur genuinely doesn't know At first And then Binky takes this to mean that Arthur is lording the information Over him So then he just uh, becomes Arthur, like He basically play- plays himself DJ Khaled plays himself Into becoming Arthur's slave <laughs> Like, congratulations, Binky.
1: My favorite part of this whole sequence, he's doing everything for him, basically. Yeah, just being his slave. But there's a part where he's carrying him to the lunch table at recess. And it's some hilarious imagery. It's probably my favorite screen gab from the episode. Because it's just so bizarre. Like, he's he's picking him up, not like a fireman's carry or anything like you'd actually carry a person. But it's like his arms are a chair for Arthur. Right,
0: and he's holding uh, a cafeteria tray under him. Yeah. So he, so I thought that was great, too. I'm glad you noticed it. You know, Binky is just sure that Arthur will uh, tell everybody, so he's going to be as nice as possible. Uh, even though Arthur is, you know, eventually catches on and says he won't tell anybody. Binky is incredibly distrustful. Uh, that day in class, they revisit the talk about everybody's fears with how they uh, counteract their fears. Binky is again afraid that Arthur will just spill the beans in front of everybody despite him saying he wouldn't. And this is my favorite evil Arthur. It's like we go into Binky's imagination and he turns to Arthur and Arthur just goes,
1: "Binky has a night light. Binky has a night light." Binky has-
0: Binky has a night light. Binky has a night light. And then everybody joins in on, on that. And even Mr. Ratburn, like, is doing a big stage laugh.
1: That's right. Uh, Mr. Ratburn's cackle really adds to this. This whole thing is incredible. Yeah. It's... Uh, but Arthur's cadence with Binky has a night light, it's so, like, snivelly and, like, it's so out of character for him. It's what really sells it.
0: Oh, it's great. Uh, So some of the ways that some of the kids counteract their fears. So Sue Ellen is afraid of cemeteries. So whenever she passes through it, uh, she whistles and uh, it works for her. Uh, When Brain's afraid, he he shines a laser that goes through the moon and it helps him. And it, it even shows like the laser hitting the moon and the moon kind of smoking. So that's a powerful, powerful laser. And this one was definitely a little a little ballsy. It was uh, Francine saying that when she gets nervous, she talks to her old stuffed lobster Bob, which to me is kind of on the same level as Nightlight. In fact, it's a little harder to defend, but Francine was all in with her stuffed lobster Bob. She even brought him to uh, to show everybody.
1: And maybe, just maybe, Francine bought that stuffed lobster from a Massachusetts gift shop. Oh, Who
0: bringing knows? it back to Michael's email. Excellent. I didn't even consider that. Uh, so Binky then realizes he's going to be stuck when Ratburn asks Arthur how he deals with his fears. Uh, you know, it's like if he tell if he tells, then I'll be laughed at. If he doesn't tell, I'm his slave for the rest of my life. And Binky, <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, and then finally Binky steps up and says that he sleeps through the nightlight. And uh, as as predicted, nobody nobody laughs at him. Everybody kind of understands that that's a very common thing. And then Mr. Rappard
1: so- says, says something really weird where he goes, Excellent, Brinky. That's very common and normal. And I'm here thinking, as opposed to what? Like, if a kid had said something a little bit strange, was Mr. Rapper going to be like, Huh, that's really, really weird? You should go get professional help or something? Well, I think like, it- just the phrasing common and normal was a little strange. Well, okay,
0: so normal is definitely strange. Common is, well, like, the brain, the brain nobody else shines a laser on the moon when they're nervous. That's not common. That's not common. Uh, It's just a weird
1: thing for a teacher to say because I feel like there's opportunities to make the other kids feel bad.
0: Definitely. Uh, Good point. Uh, And then finally, and Vinky realizes that everything's okay and then immediately reasserts to the top dog position. He meets Arthur after school and uh, essentially the end of the episode is him demanding payback for everything everything that uh, he did for Arthur. So it's just like, you know, I you know, I gave you this money to do this. Fork it over, and do you know that racing car racer I gave you? Like, give it back to me. And <laughs> this is like now that Ar- now that Arthur doesn't have the power. And the actual end of the episode is Binky sleeping with his nightlight on, and we finally get to see one of his dreams, which is kind of just a nightmare. But Binky is in control because it's Binky <laughs> terrorizing a downtown city, and he's like giant and peering over the. Uh, the buildings and he just says move your mud <laughs> and binky is sleeping peacefully so that's the kind of sweet dreams he has all right so let's uh let's go back to the first story here now that we are uh, at the end of the episode uh what did you think of arthur's tv free week
1: I was a little disappointed with Arthur's TV Free Week. I was all for it, like, the first two-thirds, but I think that episode loses some steam near the end. There's some fun with the kids hallucinating and really starting to lose their minds over not having TV, but they kind of pledge to not watch TV, struggle with it a little bit, and then... In the end, they, they're they tempted, but they don't watch TV. And that's kind of it. There isn't really some rising or falling action. Like, it's not a particularly funny episode, I found. And there isn't really a lesson to it. It's just like, oh, sometimes things are hard, but you should keep trying. So I was a little bit disappointed. It's not, like, unwatchable, and it's not bad. It's just a very, very middle-of-the-road episode. Kind of forgettable.
0: I agree. Um, I pre- Pretty much almost the same thing that you said. I, I think... I said it earlier, and it's just that when I was wondering if it was uh, mandatory or voluntary, when finding out that it was voluntary really kind of took the stakes out of it. Now, we're talking about stakes in an Arthur episode, and and a light one at that. So, you know, I'm not exactly saying that with the utmost seriousness. But at the same time, like, I didn't really feel... Uh, compelled with this one
1: it was I I will say I think something that could help this episode is again calling back to the Seinfeld episode if some of the kids had failed and had cracked and watched TV I know that's kind of supposed to be Binky's role in this but I think it would have been fun if maybe Buster had cracked and he's trying to tempt Arthur with like oh I finally got to watch TV and it was so good that could have added some more layers to the episode uh but alas yeah. It is not so.
0: Yeah, it didn't really do much for me. It's, uh, a couple parts of it were pretty funny, but eh, kind it felt kind of disposable. Um, Night Fright, I had... Once I realized it was a Binky episode and, like, I realized what episode it was, I was excited. But, um, I don't know. It it, it it didn't work for me, and I'm having kind of trouble explaining why. It's like, I didn't take very many notes on it, so I didn't really feel like... Huh, like, like it's, it's tough. I... I I think that it, it, it's definitely an issue that some kids have faced, especially in like Binky's, uh, you know, who are, who may be able to relate to Binky a bit more. And yeah, I, I, it's funny. I don't know why I'm having so much trouble with my feelings on it. I, but I know at the end, like it wasn't terrific or anything. It was just kind of okay. And it felt like it really washed over me. Like it, like it felt way shorter than I bet it actually mm. was. And I'm not exactly sure what to chalk that up to. What did you think?
1: Uh, these are, like, a pair of really middle-of-the-road episodes. I will say there was a lot—I had a lot more to like about Binky's Night Fright— one, it is a uh, subject matter I can empathize with, and I understand why Binky would be embarrassed uh, to have it revealed he uses as a nightlight, especially if he didn't know it was a common thing. I also liked all of Binky's nightmares. As per usual, whenever Arthur gets surreal, that's always a plus in my book. My favorite thing about the episode, though, is that the conflict is pretty much all in Binky's head. Like, we as the audience know immediately that Arthur could care less if Binky's got a nightlight or not, so it was just fun to watch binky squirm a little bit uh so looking back on it i thought it was pretty fun but again these are two fairly skippable arthur episodes
0: yeah i will say that the nightmare sequences in binky's episode were very imaginative and uh uh creepy and effective Mm -hmm. and of course evil arthur is always always very fun because it's so out of character like you said all right, that is another episode of Arthur in the books as we make our way through Season 2. Uh, let's let let's uh, rumble off the plugs here real quick. Uh, Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Give us a like there over there. You're,
1: and if you're Whoa. there, click the link to The Coast to vote us for Best Halifax Podcast. Please yeah. and thank you.
0: In fact, as we speak, I'm going to put that as the... Uh, I'm going to pin that post mm. to, the, to the top of our social medias. So if you Good see... Thinking. So if you see that, make sure that you. Uh, I'm also gonna put up a put up a hot Arthur meme. Uh, once we once we end off here, uh, the one of the day. And pin to top the page. There we go. Yeah, Elwood City Limits on Facebook. Find us there. Give us a like. Give us a review. And uh, the, and uh, look at our link for the coast. On Twitter, we are at ECL Podcast. Uh, please follow us over there. On Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Send us an ask if you like. Or, uh, you know, like and reblog. We always appreciate it. If you'd like to send us an email, just like Michael did today, uh, you can uh, send it Limits at gmail.com. Uh, and we would appreciate any kind of emails, especially if it's any constructive criticism, or if you'd th- just like to uh, uh, say something on the show, please let us know. And finally, the ways to listen to the podcast, of course, is the way you're listening to it, which is one of three ways. Uh, you are either listening through SoundCloud, Elwood City Limits on SoundCloud. Uh, you are listening on iTunes, You're subscribing, I hope, and hopefully leaving a rating and reviewing on your local iTunes store. Or you are listening on Google Play, which is brand new for the podcast. Elwood City Limits is on the Google Play store uh, for free. So find us over there. Uh, By the way, I just want to say to our contest winner, Ultra Esky, that I will be collecting all the things for your care package very soon. And I will be sending it before I move house uh, at the end of the month. Alright, so Lucas, we've got ourselves another episode coming up next week. Are you ready for the titles?
1: Oh, I I was born ready. Hit me with them.
0: So it's Arthur versus the piano.
1: What? Wait a minute. What? Oh man, this is like this is continuity like we've never seen before.
0: <laughs> and it's also going to be the big blow-up.
1: You wanted some stakes well well they've never been higher.
0: That's true. They've never ever been higher. Not even when not even when life was on the line. The big blow up. All right, well we hope you that that bleh, we hope that you join us for next uh, episode of Elwood City Limits. Thank you so much for supporting us by listening, by interacting with us on social media and by just being a friend. We really appreciate it. All right, Lucas, I'm going to let you go here. You got anything?
1: my own father
0: (laughs) for lucas vancini this is will young we'll catch you next time for elwood city limits stay cool